I'm Veronica, and I'll be your sleep guide tonight. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at DeadAsleepPod. And if you like this podcast, check out the Curse Cafe and Social Unrest Podcasts. Our topic today is going to be our second installment of horror stories. More stories to give you chills, but not keep you up at night. Today, our stories will be from scaryforkids.com. But first, let's relax. Let's begin by taking a deep breath. And then another. And as we breathe, we're going to begin to quiet our minds, thinking only with anticipation about the stories we're about to hear. And as you breathe, relax your hands and your feet, and then move that relaxing feeling to your legs and arms. Release any tension that you have in your limbs. And let's let our torso sink deep into our mattress. One more deep breath, and we're ready to begin. White Lies. There was a young girl named Chiaki. She was playing in her bedroom when she heard her mother calling her from the kitchen. She raced downstairs. Chiaki, come here. I have something to ask you, her mother said. What is it? asked Chiaki. Do you know who ate the cakes that were meant for the guests? Uh... No, I don't know, Chiaki replied. Did you eat the cakes, her mother asked. No, Mama, I didn't, the little girl replied. Chiaki was wringing her hands nervously. Chiaki, I know when you're lying, her mother said. A thief always starts out in life by lying, and the police always catch a thief, and the thief is always punished. Do you know what I am saying, Chiaki? Chiaki could bear the guilt no more. She started sobbing. Mama, I'm sorry, she wailed. I ate the cakes. I'm sorry. There. Stop crying, said her mother, and she held out her hand. I was angry because you lied to me. Now you've told the truth. Everything's going to be fine. I don't like liars, so never lie to me again, okay? Okay, said Chiaki. Now dry your tears, said her mother. We'll go to the store and buy more cakes. Okay, Mama, Chiaki said. Chiaki's mother had a baby. When she came home from the hospital, Chiaki was delighted. This is Nana, her mother said. You're her big sister. You have to treat her with love and care. I will, Mama, Chiaki said. But after the baby arrived, her mother didn't seem to have any time for her. The baby cried all day and night, and Chalky couldn't bear to hear it screaming and bawling. She couldn't concentrate. She couldn't even think. Eventually, she had enough. Mama, I'm sick and tired of hearing her cry, she shouted. I can't study with all this racket. Can you please shut her up? 
You need to be more understanding, her mother said. Nana is just a baby. You're her big sister. But you're always with Nana, Chiaki cried. You never have time for me anymore. I'd like to spend time with you too, Mama. I'd like to go to the store with you, to the park with you, cuddle with you. You're old enough to go to all those places by yourself, her mother said. So shut your mouth and stop being so selfish. I hate you, Chiaki screamed as she burst into tears. She ran upstairs, slammed her door, and locked herself in her room. That evening, she refused to come down for dinner. Instead, she stayed in her room and brooded about Nana. That night, Chiaki had a very disturbing dream. In the nightmare, she saw herself walking through the house in darkness. She went into her mother's room and tiptoed over to the baby's crib. Then she picked up her little sister and carried her downstairs. In the dream, Chiaki opened the back door and brought Nana out to the garden. There, by the light of the moon, she fetched a shovel from the shed, dug a little hole in the wet grass, and buried her sister alive. When she woke up in the morning, Chiaki was shaking and covered in sweat. She felt sick to her stomach. The nightmare had seemed so real. She was horrified. Mom was right, she thought. Nana is just a baby. I'm her big sister. I need to learn to put up with things like this. I'm going to ask Mom to forgive me. Just then, her mother burst into her room. Tears were streaming down her face. Chiaki, do you know where Nana is, she asked. When I woke up this morning, she wasn't in her crib. Do you know anything? The little girl shook her head. Are you sure, her mother demanded. You really don't know anything, do you swear? Chiaki gulped. Yes, I swear, she said weakly. All right, all right, her mother said. Help me find her. They searched the house from top to bottom, but they couldn't find Nana. They ran up and down the street looking for the baby, but she was nowhere to be seen. Finally, her mother fell to her knees and began sobbing uncontrollably. Where did Nana go, she wailed. Where could she be? She doesn't even know how to walk. How could she disappear like this? Chiaki was wringing her hands nervously. Chiaki, you know something, her mother screamed. Chiaki, you know what happened to Nana, don't you? No, said Chiaki, I don't know anything. Chiaki, I warned you not to lie to me again, her mother screamed. I'm not lying, Chiaki mumbled. I know when you're lying, her mother shouted. Tell me, where is she? Where is Nana? Chiaki couldn't bear the guilt anymore. She looked out the window and pointed at a little mound of earth in the garden. No, her mother cried. Dear God, no, this can't be true. Mama, the little girl sobbed. She tried to grab her mother's hand. Don't touch me, her mother screamed. You killed Nana, didn't you? You killed her because you were jealous. I didn't mean it, Mama, Chiaki cried. I didn't mean it. Her mother flew into a violent rage. She grabbed her daughter by the neck and began choking the life out of her. She squeezed and squeezed until she couldn't squeeze anymore. And by the time she came to her senses, Chiaki lay dead on the floor. Suddenly, the doorbell rang. The mother got to her feet and answered it. When she opened the door, 
she saw her neighbor standing outside. He was holding Nana in his arms. We found her crawling around outside, he said. She must have gotten out of her crib during the night. Good thing we found her before something bad happened. laughing man. There was a doctor who worked in a remote village in Africa. He was the only white person for miles, and he had spent his life taking care of the local villagers, providing them with medical care and medicine. One day, a white man stumbled into the village. He could barely walk, but he was laughing like a maniac. <laughs> His clothes were tattered and torn, and his hands and knees were covered in blood. His eyes were wild, and he looked exhausted. It seemed like he was out of his mind. The doctor gave him some water and tended to his wounds, but the man couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> the doctor gave him a sedative and put him to bed so he could get some rest. The man slept for hours. And when he woke up, the doctor gave him some food and tried to find out how he had come to be there. What happened to you? The doctor asked. What are you doing all alone out here in the jungle? I wasn't alone, the laughing man replied. I came with my partner, Jack Hunter. We were on an expedition to find the legendary Waki. That's what the locals call them, a rare species of ape. The Africans say they're intelligent apes, almost as intelligent as a human, maybe even more intelligent. We wanted to capture one and bring it back to civilization to put it on display. It was supposed to make us very rich. We tried to hire a guide to take us to the Valley of the Apes, but none of the locals dared to go there. They were afraid of the apes. We weren't going to let that stop us. So we bought a canoe and headed down the river on our own. When we came to the Valley of the Apes, we made camp. Hunter unpacked the traps and set them up in a clearing in the jungle. We hid in the bushes and watched those traps for three whole days, but we caught nothing. The apes were too smart for us. They knew what we were up to, and they weren't going to fall for simple traps. Hunter had a better idea. We dug a pit in the clearing. It was 10 feet deep and filled with sharp wooden spikes. And then we covered it over with branches and leaves and went back to our camp to wait. We didn't have to wait very long. In the middle of the night, we heard a loud scream, a horrible gurgling animal scream. We rushed out to check on the pit and found a dead ape impaled on the sharp wooden spikes. We dragged the corpse out and laid it on the ground. We had what we came for, a dead ape, and I wanted to go home. But Hunter had other ideas. He wanted to capture a live one. I tried to talk him out of it, but there was no reasoning with him. Nothing I could say would dissuade him. He took out a knife and started skinning the ape's body. And as he worked, I nervously watched the jungle around us. It was dark, but I could feel the eyes of the other apes watching us. I couldn't shake the creeping fear that they knew what we had killed one of them 
and the rest would come to take revenge. And when Hunter finished skinning the ape, he put on the skin and he wore it like a costume. We removed the sharp wooden spikes from the pit and placed a big log across it. Disguised in his ape costume, Hunter balanced on the log and I covered the pit up with branches and leaves again. His plan was to trick one of the other apes into coming closer so it would fall into the trap. He crouched there on the log and waited while I went back to our camp. It was almost dawn and I was just about to doze off when I heard the scream. I rushed out to check the pit, but it was empty and my friend Hunter was nowhere to be seen. I called out his name, but there was no reply. I searched for hours, but I could find no trace of him. I was about to give up hope when I spotted a figure in the jungle. It was Hunter. He was crouched down under a tree, naked as the day he was born, and he was just staring at me with a blank look on his face. Hunter, I cried. Good Lord, what happened to you? I thought you were dead. Why didn't you answer me? Hunter didn't say a word. Slowly, he rose to his feet, and he just stood there staring at me. And then... <laughs> and then... <laughs> and then he took it off. The man was shaking and laughing so much he could barely control himself. His body was racked by spasms of madness. What do you mean, the doctor asked. What did he take off? Giggling like a maniac, the man struggled to finish his story. <laughs> he took it off. The ape took off Hunter's skin. human chair. Hello. What you are about to read will shock you. I need to confess the strange and terrible crime I have committed, and I can't bear to keep my secret any longer. I beg you not to stop reading. For years I have hidden myself away from the world. You see, I am hideously ugly too ugly to describe. You would be shocked and horrified at the sight of my face. I was a miserable and wretched creature because I never knew love. I never felt the affectionate touch of a hand or the warm feeling of a pair of lips brushing up against mine. I was a carpenter by trade and I worked all day in a factory making furniture. My specialty is making chairs. My skilled hands carved the wood screwed the pieces together, fashioned the backrests and armrests and did the upholstery, padding the cushions and sewing the covers. As I worked, I felt like an artist creating a great masterpiece. When my chairs were finished, I would always test them out to make sure they were comfortable. It gave me a great thrill to imagine all the different people who would sit on the chair I created. Unlike me, they had wonderful happy lives. They had someone they loved and who would love them back. Every time I thought of them, I felt nothing but misery and despair. One day, I was designing a new type of chair, and as I worked, a very strange idea began to take form in my mind. 
I changed the design and made a hollow space inside. It was a cavity large enough to fit a human body. Of course, I had to take out a lot of the wooden framework and the springs inside. The knees would be just below the seat. The head and upper body would be inside the backrest. Someone could sit inside the chair and no one would ever know they were there. I left a small space for supplies like food and drinks, and I even included a little potty for pee and poo. By the time I was finished, the chair had become a miniature home. I stripped off my clothes and climbed inside the chair. Can you imagine how strange that felt? It was a tight fit, but I managed to get used to it after a while. I was in complete darkness, but I could hear what was going on around me. I heard my colleagues walking around the factory looking for me. They had no idea I was right under their noses. After a while, some delivery men loaded me into a truck and transported me to a furniture store. They put me on display in the middle of the shop floor and left me there. I was perfectly concealed and nobody was any the wiser. I was like a crab or a turtle, but instead of a shell, I had my chair. Almost as soon as I arrived, customers started testing out the chair. I can't tell you how many unknown bottoms sat down on me. Some of them had big, fat bottoms like a jellyfish, and others had thin, bony bottoms like a skeleton. Some had firm buttocks like a horse, and others had chubby buttocks bouncing up and down on me like a rubber ball. It was an amazing feeling. I could feel the warmth of their flesh through the material. Their shoulders rested against my chest, and their arms and hands rested on mine. Not one of them suspected that the soft cushion they were sitting on was actually little old me. Previously, because of my grotesque and disturbing appearance, people had always recoiled at the sight of me. But now my skin was virtually touching theirs through a thin layer of cloth. Hidden inside the chair, I imagined myself hugging them, kissing them, and wrapping my arms around them in a passionate embrace. Of course, it was a strange sort of existence. After spending so long inside the chair, sitting in the same position, my muscles started to wither away. I could barely move and my body was crooked and bent. I was folded up like a contortionist, but I didn't care. All I could think about was the exquisite feeling of having people sit on me. One day, somebody bought my chair. The delivery man picked me up, put me in the back of a van, and brought me to the home of a nice family. They put me in their living room, facing the TV. Within days, every member of the family had sat on me at least once. I was in heaven. But there was one member of the family I loved more than all of the others. This person was very special to me, and as time went on, I began to fall in love with them. I couldn't help myself. When they sat down on me, I tried to make my knees as comfortable as possible for them. Whenever they leaned back on me, I would embrace them more warmly and make them nice and snug. And when they felt tired, I would move my knees back and forth, gently rocking them to sleep. You may think I was mad, but I was madly in love with this person. I became obsessed with them and longed for them to return my feelings. I reached the point where I felt that if only they knew I was there, they would fall in love with me too. The person loved to read, 
So I came up with a cunning plan. I wrote my own story and submitted it to a website they frequented. By now, you've probably guessed who I'm talking about. That's right. It's you. I've been in your home for so long, you've probably forgotten where I came from. Every night, I crawl out of the chair and sneak upstairs to watch you sleep. I can't bear to be away from you for a moment. I love you, and I think you could love me too, if only you saw me. Now, after you finish reading this, please turn around and look at me. I'll be waiting. Don't be afraid. Come and sit down on my knees. I miss your touch. Thank you for joining me tonight. I hope you're fast asleep. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Dead Asleep Pod and give us a rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Sweet dreams. <laughs>